these are things that you know, if, if the person can't give them to you, you, you at some point are going to start having the conversation with yourself. Okay. Well, when, when would I need to leave? When would this, mm. when would I decide that this is not for me? Because this is a legitimate need of mine. Mm. Unmet childhood needs are those things that we really wanted as kids, but we didn't get. And so sometimes a lot of time, what I see, you know, what I've seen in my own relationship, but also in, in uh, the relationships of my clients and my friends is that we ask of our partners the unmet childhood needs. And that's where we get into you know, some sticky territory because our partners, they will not ever be able to. They can't, but they, they, they can't, they truly will not be able to meet those unmet childhood needs. Hello, my love, and welcome to the Boldly Courageous podcast. My name is Melissa Martin. I am a business and embodiment coach and creator of the Boldly Courageous community. Just like you, I've walked through some dark seasons in life and I know what it's like to start over again and write a new story. This podcast is here to activate you, to show you what's possible when you embody your power and walk with courage and fear in the pursuit of what sets your soul on fire. Each week, you will hear authentic conversations with thought leaders and visionaries as we dive deep into topics such as spirituality, business, money, relationships, sexuality, and so much more so that you can fully embody your boldly courageous self. Are you ready? Let's drop in. Hey, real quick before we dive into the episode, I need to let you know about something really, really special to me. So if you're anything like me and you've had this calling on your heart to start a podcast, but you have no idea where to start, I want to introduce you to the incredible team that I have worked with literally from day one of launching Boldly Courageous over at Podcast Co. They have just released a self-paced course called Launch Your Fucking Podcast. This program will literally take you through step-by-step of launching your podcast from start to finish. You will learn everything about how to create and find the foundation and mission of your podcast, how to come up with the perfect name, get super clear on your audience and the structure of your show. Also, you will learn how to record, how to produce, how to edit, and also hosting, music, creating the perfect cover and building a successful launch strategy. Basically by the end of the program, you will have launched a podcast that feels authentic and expansive to you, labeling you as the expert that is ready to impact and grow your audience in whatever phase of life they may be at. So all you have to do is go to the link in the show notes, use code boldly courageous at checkout, and you will get a hundred dollars off the launch your fucking podcast course. So now let's jump into the episode. Welcome back to the Boldly Courageous Podcast. As always, I'm so honored and grateful to spend this time with you today. And my guest today is Stevie Wright, and her and I met through a mutual friend in the self-development spiritual world, if you will. And Stevie is the founder of the Breathwork Channel. She's a breathwork practitioner and has been someone that has impacted me from afar in such a big way. Um, As I've been on my own healing and personal development journey, I joined her Breathwork Channel and I've been incorporating breathwork into my daily practices, into my meditation, and it has been such 
a game changer. So I knew that I wanted to bring her on the podcast to share her story, share her gifts, and really expose you to another tool, another modality that can help you live your boldly courageous life, feel empowered, embody your higher self, and work through any of the blocks that you might be feeling. And breathwork is such a beautiful, beautiful way to do that. And in this episode, Stevie dives deep into creating safety in the body. We, we dive into topics like somatic therapy. We talk about navigating emotions like fear and shame in the body. We dive deep into the difference between what are your actual legitimate needs in your life that you want in a relationship or in a partnership versus what are the unmet childhood needs that maybe you're asking your partner to meet, but really it's your responsibility and your need and your need to meet on your own and how to really just nurture and love and care for that wounded child from a loving and nurturing and supportive way. Stevie talks about the difference between a story and a feeling and how breath work can really help you to fast track your way into the subconscious, create new thoughts, new beliefs, and new neural pathways. So plenty of juicy information to help you shift and grow and evolve. Stevie Wright is a certified self-love coach and breathwork facilitator who specializes in helping people open portals to their unlimited potential through somatic and subconscious practices. She's the founder of The Breath Channel, a breathwork membership platform that has attracted hundreds of members for its fast and effective breathwork practices. As a teenager, Stevie made it to the top 36 of American Idol and saying for all of America. And she helps high performers and overachievers find their worth outside of what they do. Stevie has spent the last several years healing herself to go from disconnected, anxious, and playing small to completely owning her power and now helps other people do the same. She offers high-level coaching to individuals and groups. And this episode is pure magic. Let's dive in. Stevie, I'm so honored to have you here on the Boldly Courageous podcast to share your wisdom and your gifts. You've been such a huge um, influence in my life as I've been working through more embodiment practices and divine feminine and creating safety within my own body through your gifts and your talents through the breathwork channel, which I know we're going to talk about later on um, in the episode. So I know this conversation is going to help so many people find and understand what it looks like to um, tap further into the safety and wisdom of their body. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, Melissa, I'm so happy to be here. I love your energy and I'm, I'm so excited to be on your show. Yay. Okay. So what is one boldly courageous thing you've done recently? Hmm. Hmm. I did uh, a pretty vulnerable partner, intimacy partner practice with my, with my love in our somatic healing session recently. And it was um, a practice that kind of took us deeper than we ever have been in our relationship and in that space. And it was so vulnerable and so exposed and uh, scary. And it felt, I mean, we've been together for a long time and yet we're finding new and deeper layers to meet each other. And it felt courageous and it felt bold and it felt, um, you know, the, the outcome of it was beautiful. 
Mm, I can feel that in my own body because I know how hard it can be to open up in that way in an intimate relationship. You know, I think that there's always layers that we move through and um, vulnerability is the pathway to connection, right? And I'm curious for those that maybe don't know what somatic therapy is, can you share a little bit more about what that therapy is and if you're open to it, why you chose that as an avenue for whatever it is that you're navigating? That's a great question. I love somatic work personally and in my own practice that of how I work with clients because I really, really believe that the body is the subconscious. Mm. And you would not believe, Melissa, how many times people have come to me and said, you know, um, I've done a ton of therapy, I've processed a ton, and I still feel like I'm in some of these similar stuck patterns that I've been in for many years. And, you know, I want to say I love therapy. Talk therapy is wonderful. I had an incredible therapist for a couple of years who really, really supported me in getting to where I needed to go. But I did feel like there was only so far that I could go in that container. And when I found somatic work, I was like, oh my God, this is this is what's creating real lasting transformative change. Um, and the reason that is, is because soma, somatic, soma means body. The body is the subconscious. And so in talk therapy, we really only have access to, you know, the tip of the iceberg, this little tiny tip that's at the top. We can process and we can, we can you know, work with it with our analytical mind. But the body is like the giant glacier iceberg that's underneath the surface that we don't have access to day to day. And so with somatic work, we're getting access to those deeper layers. And actually what we can do is when we do somatic work, we can heal beliefs mm. literally at a deep nervous system level. We can actually heal the beliefs that live in the tissue. And so somatic work, somatic tools are like wringing out a sponge. It's like ring, 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 ring. Or like, um, like uh, what do you call it when you like um, with a rug, like cleaning out a rug. Shake like, out a rug. Yeah, like yeah. shaking a rug. It's like shaking out a rug, like wringing out a sponge. Um, you're, you're meeting those parts that you don't normally have access to and you're processing and you're actually able to release the stagnant energy that your body is holding on to. Mm. So personally, it's been profoundly healing for me um, because there was so much fear and, and shame and terror living in my body. And I find that with my clients, um, you know, we do a good amount of, we, we do a good amount of talking and, and, um, you know, all of that and mindset work and thought work. But if you're leaving out the body and you're only doing mindset and thought work and talk work, I really think you're leaving out a big piece of the healing journey. And so I, I like to incorporate the whole thing. Mm. I know for me, somatic therapy was also kind of the really big switch, you know, of finding the tools to find safety in my body. And yeah, I think we live in a world right now where um, our, uh, tools for play 
is to disconnect and not reconnect, you know, so we're not doing things that are actually getting us into our body. We're getting us things that help us disassociate, like numbing out with TV or drinking or entertainment, news, social media, and all these things take us out of our physical experience, although they heighten whatever the physical experiences that we're having. So you mentioned, um, you know, this experience that you had with your partner and you were doing it together, which I think is so beautiful. And, but, but that it was, challenging and really vulnerable for you. So I'm, I would imagine that there are some things that you have done to build up to that point that would allow you to create an environment where you feel safe to do that. So can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, for the person that's listening, that's like, oh my God, that sounds amazing and terrifying all at the same time. Like, how do you navigate the building the safety and the courage to actually have an experience like that? Yeah. Specifically in partnership, you mean? However you want to interpret it. Yeah. Well, in partnership, we've been together for seven years and it's, we've been, uh, <laughs> I always kind of like giggle at the the phrase in the work. Cause I think it's kind of cheesy, but <laughs> we've been in the work together for about five of those seven years. So we've been, um, kind of doing joint healing and personal development and, and, and been on our spiritual journey individually and as a couple for, you know, about the last five years. And um, we've been able to build up an, a level of intimacy and safety with each other through, uh, we go to a lot of workshops, we do a lot of um, uh, polarity work, spiritual intimacy work, um, masculine feminine dynamics. Uh, we've, we've built up kind of a language in which we can feel safe in communication. Mm -hmm. And so these new, we've been in somatic work to, together, uh, together in somatic work for the past eight months or so. Mm -hmm. So it's still an, a fresh kind of new thing, but we've had, um, we've had a foundation built over the last five years of safety and trust and communication and mutual respect. And um, so I think that when, you know, our somatic therapist is asking us to, asking me to embody uh, a tiger and she's asking him to embody a gorilla and, you know, or, or, or a, a sorceress and sorcerer or king and queen, or we have to do 10 minutes of deep eye gazing where I'm just, we're just staring in each other's left eye for 10 minutes or longer and just weeping and weeping and he's breathing me. It's really fucking intense and really intimate, but we, I, I do feel, you know, we've, we've created a level of safety over the, for the past several years that has allowed us to come to that point. Um, I also think we're both, I, I, man, I feel the last year of my relationship, again, we just had our seven year anniversary yesterday and our, our relationship has shifted so deeply just even in the last year. It's shifted so, so deeply. And I'm feeling a lot of gratitude in my life for him right now and for what we've created. And um, I think that we have built up a, a level of communication and commitment and willingness with each other to meet each other in those you know, scarier places. And it's not all just like playful and fun and, and, you know, tiger and embodiment. It's also, you know, can you hold my shame? Can you hold the darkest part of me? Can you hold my self-loathing? Can you hold and like witness each other in that? 
it's really, yeah, it's really intense, but it's the most beautiful work we've done together. And this is truly a testament to two people coming together, committed to their own growth and also how it relates to the relationship, right? I think a lot of people come into relationships with the expectation that, or the belief that something within them is incomplete and they're looking for the other person to complete them. And that always feels empty and frustrating. And then they hit the seven year mark and they go their separate ways, like the seven year itch, right? So to hear you share that at seven years, you're going even deeper and more expansive. And that's a really um, beautiful example of what's possible when you come in with an understanding that, hey, I have my work and you have your work and I'm committed to holding you and you're committed to holding me and then we do it together, right? That's so beautiful. So thank you for sharing that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's funny because a mentor of mine gave me a piece of advice that I, take with me to this day and I have to come kind of recome back to it all the time but he taught me about um legitimate needs versus unmet childhood needs oh, so and I'm like yeah I was like, sure. I'm like let's talk about that for a second can you dive into that a little bit more because I have goosebumps yeah. Yeah. so legitimate needs are you know the things that we that are an absolute must for us. So these are things like, you know, a legitimate need would be, you know, I need to be a mother. Like it, it, there have there have to be a mutual understanding that this relationship is going to one day turn into, you know, a family. Like I, I need to be a mother or, or I need to be a mother, but I need to keep working. Or I need, um, I need sex three times a week, or I need uh, you to be taller than six one. Like it can <laughs> Whatever the need is, like it could also be, you know, I need, I need you to be the breadwinner because I want to stay home. Whatever that, that true legitimate need is, these are things that, you know, if if the person can't give them to you, you you at some point are going to start having the conversation with yourself. Okay, well, when when would I need to leave? When would this? Mm. When would I decide that this is not for me because this is a legitimate need of mine? Mm. Unmet childhood needs are those things that we really wanted as kids but we didn't get. And so sometimes, a lot of time, what I see, you know, what I've seen in my own relationship, but also in, in uh, the relationships of my clients and my friends is that we ask of our partners the unmet childhood needs. And that's where we get into, you know, some sticky territory because our partners, they will not ever be able to. They can't, but they, they, they can't, they truly will not be able to meet those unmet childhood needs. And so it's, if you're asking of your partner to meet an unmet childhood need, you're gonna, he's gonna come up empty, she's gonna come up empty, you're gonna come up empty because they, they can't meet those needs for you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if, if you say something like, you know, safety, you know, Patrick, of course, can offer me, you know, a, a level of safety and, and protection 100%, but he cannot meet my need for safety in my own body Mm. He does not have the power to do that. I cannot ask that of him. And so when I'm feeling, you know, some anxiety and some fear and, and I'm not feeling safe in my own body, I can't project that and, and ask him to, to try to meet that in any way that would be unfair to him. And it would be unfair to my inner child because it, she's not going to get met either way, mm. unless I do that meeting. Wow. So I think the way that you kind of differentiate is just asking, is this a legit need of mine? Is this something that I'm like, this is a no for me. This is a boundary that I am not willing to budge on. Or is this something that I was not able to get 
in childhood. Even something like attention. Of course, Patrick can give me attention and quality time, but if I really needed more attention as a child and I didn't get it, that need for validation and, and connection and, and attention is going to be the job of my, you know, evolved women, woman meeting my inner child. Mm-hmm. They won't be able to give that to me. And that, that piece of advice has been so helpful. Mm. Yeah. And I, and going back to the safety thing, I think also what's coming up for me, I'm like, okay, well, there've definitely been men where I'm in their presence and I feel safe. And then there's men when I'm in their presence, I don't feel safe. And so I think as I'm like navigating through that in my own mind, listening to you talk about it, what it comes down to is when you can come to the awareness of the tools of how you create safety within your own body that then translates into the decisions that you make. Right. So if you're in partnership with someone who does not create a quote safe environment for you, the way that you create the safe environment is to remove yourself from the environment or communicate to you, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. What would make me feel better is this. Are you willing to meet me here? Like having those conversations versus like relying on the other person to make a shift or make a change in order for you to feel safe versus like actually creating, do it. Like, what do I need to do to create, to take ownership, ownership really for my experience. And that's such a good point that you're saying, because it's also, you know, if some, if you feel unsafe with someone, like they're not, uh, you know, they're, they're withholding or they're not forthcoming or they're untrusting, that's not enough, you know, that's not a sign for you to be like, well, I guess that's fine. I guess it's just an unmet childhood need that I have to meet myself. And I guess I have to stay here. No, 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 no. Like you, you meet your need for safety by exactly what you said, removing yourself from that relationship. If it's not, you know, containing and, and, Mm. and really safe for you, Mm. but but differentiate between, is this truly an unsafe relationship? Am I not feeling held and seen and, and, and witnessed here? Or is there a level of safety I need to meet within myself and this re- relationship is actually safe? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about, let's go deeper in this concept of safety in the body, because so much of what you do with the breathwork channel and the, and the work that you do with your clients really comes down to that. I feel like majority of the we'll just call them for lack of a better word, issues or challenges that people face in all areas of their life, whether it's in their business, their career, their relationships comes down to safety. Right. And, um, I know for me personally, like using breath work, I'll just back up for a second. I, my experience with breath work was in a container where I did not feel safe. And so I was always very resistant to it because every time I would try, it would stir up emotions within me that I had put really far away and feelings that I'd put really far away. And I wasn't in a container where I felt safe. So I would love for you to talk about kind of this, maybe your own journey to finding safety in the body. And then we'll go into like the breath work and and what that, what that is and how it works and all that. Absolutely. Well, I think, you know, we live in a society, in a collective that says, don't feel, (laughs) you know, that says, that's like you were saying in the beginning of the show, you know, disconnect, disassociate, don't reconnect. And maybe that's in actual words, or maybe it's just an energy, but we have been told in, in messaging, don't feel, it's not safe to feel. It's going to hurt really bad. It's going to open a whole can of worms if you feel. And so we have, we have um, gotten used to not allowing ourselves to be in our full expression, mm-hmm. to be in our full embodiment, because, you know, as kids, we felt pain. Our little bodies didn't know how to process that pain. We didn't have the support 
to process that pain. And we go, this sucks. Uh, I'm not feeling this again, screw that. And so then as adults, fear or anxiety or, 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 or uh, grief or anger comes to the surface and we go, <laughs> you know, no, 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 no. And we, and we push that back down. We say, no, thank you because it was such a, a, a difficult experience. And, you know, something that I tell my clients and something that one of my mentors told me is you have a big adult body now. <laughs> you, you can feel these feelings through now. You actually can process these feelings. You, you have the wherewithal to process these feelings. And if there's something really that you're not ready to process, there's something that you're really not ready to, to feel, your body won't give it to you. You can trust that your body knows your limits in the moment. And you can trust that your body knows the perfect rate of healing for you. Mm. And so it'll give you whatever is the thing in increments, in inches, in bite-sized pieces that you can process. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not going to be something like I had a, a client tell me recently, she's like, I just feel like if I start going into this, it's going to be a fucking mountain just piled on top of me and I said yeah. we can go as slow as you want we can go as slow as you need it does not have to be uh it, it's it'll be painful like to to come feel into some of these things but it doesn't have to be a struggle and it does not have to be violent mm. it can be very gentle and um I think that finding safety in the body is one, just knowing that my body's not going to give me anything I can't handle and trusting my, my, my own perfect rate, that the rate at which my body is healing and the things that come up, I can trust to, to mm. hold with us. Mm. I think a lot of times it's this story that we create around what it is that we're feeling, right? So if we're feeling ickiness or shame, or like some of those like really heavy, like mucky, muddy, especially around sexuality. I know at least for me, that was my experience with somatic therapy of like really going into those deep, like icky, heavy, dark places. It was the story that we created around um, the physical experience. And I think that's why the embodiment work is so powerful because it gets you out of the story. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter the why it doesn't matter the how, like the, what is irrelevant. It's yeah. only if you give it power, but just accepting that the feeling is here and then like flipping it around from there's something wrong with me to, Oh, this little child didn't get what she needed. And how can I nurture and love her? Like that, that shifts um, is so powerful. Yeah. Like when the story is not there, then you can actually just work with the energy, mm. work with the energy of the sensation. It's just, yeah. just energy. It's just sensation, you know? And um, I, you're so right, especially for me, for shame. Shame has been such a big one that I still uh, come up against and that I still have to work with. And it's shame specifically is so lonely. Mm -hmm. it's, such a, it's such a lonely feeling to feel. And it feels so, for me anyways, my experience, it feels so scary. It feels like everyone's leaving me. It feels like everyone's, you know, love's going to for sure go away. Yes. And um it's, 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 you know, shame by definition has to be a lie because it only lives in the dark. Like shame is the thing is like this part of myself, I have to hide. I have to go put it away because if someone were to see this, oh, 
you know, but love would for sure go away. I would be abandoned. I would be hated. I would be outcast. And so we outcast ourselves. We outcast that part of ourselves. But mm-hmm. if you think about that, by definition, then it's a lie. Mm-hmm. By definition, that part is not going to, you know, make love go away. It's It lives in that dark, damp, cold cellar. But as soon as you shine light on shame, as soon as it has a loving witness, it goes, oh, I'm fine. <laughs> it can actually be, it can heal at a quantum rate. Once you, once you have the courage to give it a witness, either just with yourself or with a loving other, but as soon as the sunshine shines on that, that damp, dark, cold energy, it begins to, it, it can bloom. You like transmute it and you take, it takes the power away. It's like building confidence to, um, you know, I had uh, a friend of mine who did a lot of public speaking and she would sweat like crazy. Right. And one of the things I would always witness her do when she would get on stage is she would own it. She would actually take away the power of anyone else to shame or judge her by speaking it being like, so by the way, here's a thing, like I sweat, I'm a sweater. So you're going to see this. So she would take and shine light on the thing that maybe she was vulnerable about or opening herself up for judgment and shame. And I think it's the same kind of thing is that once you, it's like, you know, the monster's not as scary as we really think it is. It's the story that we create in our head. And once you can start looking at it and shifting your belief around it and, uh, and, and loving it, yeah, it becomes, such a different experience. Like I, I know for me, I've gone from the things that I feel most shameful about for myself, actually feeling compassion for the experience as opposed to judging myself in it being like, I'm sorry that happened to you or feeling more compassionate and more loving and saying, oh, okay, well, let's love this part of you because clearly it needs that. But yeah. that's a process, right? So that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, in theory, it sounds really easy, but how do you get to a point where you feel like, how do you cultivate safety in your body? Like what, what would be like step one? Yeah. Well, specifically when it comes with shame, I think you first just acknowledge that that wounded child is present. You really acknowledge the wounded child is here. The wounded child is present. Um, it's, it's, I, there, there is a, that little part of me that feels like, you know, if, if anyone sees this love will for sure go away, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it love will for sure, for sure go away. And then I think from that place, you have to bring in the loving adult. So there's these two parts of you and you're working with. So there's the, the wounded child and then there's a loving adult. Mm-hmm you know, and there's, there's, you, you bring in both of them mm-hmm. so that you feel like, um, there you're, you're bringing in that loving other that can give your wounded child witness. And this goes back to what you were saying about your unmet childhood needs, right? You're not looking for your partner's adult self loving adult. You're looking for your own loving adult. Okay. Yeah. I love that. So you really like, you say hello to the wounded child. Um, like you, you witness her, you, you mm-hmm. give them company. The moment you start welcoming the wounded child and you, and you say, hi, I'm here. Like from that loving adult, from that loving witness, then you are, you're, you're, you're um, kind of unattached. 
you know, there's, there's, there's two beings there mm. there's, and you're not, you're not associating yourself as this is me. I am bad. Mm. Right. It's like a witnessing almost like you're watching it from like an outsider's perspective. Exactly. Exactly. And then I think from there, you uh, kind of just pay attention to what was the trigger, you know, what happened that kind of sent you into a spiral that, that sent you into unsafety, what feelings were triggered, what story did you tell? You have to recognize the story your mind tell is telling is not true. It is not true. You tell your body, you tell your wounded child, the story is not true. It is not a crisis. Like sometimes when I'm in shame, it feels like a crisis, you know, it 100%. feels hundred percent, you know, it feels like everything is lost. It feels, you know, right you know, it just feels like terrifying. So you just say, you know, this story is not true from your loving witness. Your story is not true. Mm. Um, once the story is released, that's when we, you can be with the actual energy. And that's what we were talking about before. Once you're, once you say, okay, the story itself is not true. Now, what are the feelings that are here? Mm-hmm. Because the feelings are true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The feelings- the feelings are true. The feelings are very sacred. The story is bullshit. The feelings, the sensations, the emotions, they, those are true. So at that point, you want to allow the mad, allow the sad, allow the scared, allow the greet, grief, allow the rage. You, you be like a, a yes to the feelings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's so powerful. I hope people can really anchor that in because I think, um, in a lot of experiences, we make ourselves wrong for feeling the way that we do, or other people shame us for our feelings, you know, especially people that are uh, maybe not on their path as well. And then they're projecting their own discomfort, right. With your experience. And again, it all comes back to like, Hey, I'm responsible for creating safety for myself. So acknowledging the fact that, you know, these feelings are real, they are legitimate. That's how you, because I would imagine for a lot of people, when you devalue your own feelings, you're, you're literally telling yourself that it's not safe to feel what you feel and you're not valid. Like you're completely devaluing your experience. Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure that that voice of devaluing of like, Oh, well, I I shouldn't feel this way, or it's not that big of a deal, or, Mm -hmm. you know, or I stop that, that's, that, that's an internalized version of someone else's voice. Mm. You know, if you weren't, if you weren't allowed to cry, if you weren't allowed to have big emotions, if you weren't allowed to have big experiences, if you weren't allowed to have big, mad, big, sad, all those things, then that voice becomes internalized and you don't allow yourself to have big, mad, big, sad, big grief, big anger, you know? Mm. So I think like, you know, welcoming the feelings and then grounding into your authority, like your own space, your own consciousness, you are the meaning maker. Mm-hmm. you as the loving witness and the loving adult for your wounded child, your, your care is enough for her. Mm. And from this point, you like, you let yourself feel and then ground into this current moment, ground into your body. And you can use mantras. You can use, I see you. I love you. I want you. My love is enough. My love can keep you safe. Mm. This, this can, this is, you know, this can be a daily practice, you know, Mm. it can be a daily practice, but if you can get used to this, this process of welcoming the things, letting go of the story, welcoming the feelings, grounding, and then releasing, like being done for the day and doing something fun, Mm. 
you will, you will cultivate such a level of deep safety with yourself and, and deep trust with yourself. It's incredible. This is actually a process that I take the women in my group program through the embodied woman. It's, you know, it's safety in the body is one of the pillars of that program. Mm. It, what's coming up for me is like this, this like fierce, like protector energy, like the, like the warrior energy of like the fierce mama bear yeah. that maybe we didn't get as children. Right. And no, no um, shame on our parents. They're doing the best they could given the tools that they had dealing with their own childhood wounding. Right. So it's like, again, if you didn't get that from your parent, how can you allow that version of you, that protector archetype to come in and be, and stand with your little child and be like, I've got you no matter what, like we're in this together. That to me is like the ultimate protector energy. Right. And, and like that, that's where, you know, I've got me, like, I don't need a, per, a partner or anybody else. I want those things. I don't need them. I don't rely on them for things because I've got me. Right. So let's talk about breath work then, because this I know is one of the most powerful embodiment tools for me personally I've ever used. And I'm still so new at it. Um, but it has been, I'm actually looking at this book by James Nestor that's sitting on my, my shelf over here called breath. And then one above it is the body keeps score. So clearly I'm on a path here of, uh, somatic work and breath work, but let's talk more about, um, I would love to know what is breath work? How, and, and like, yeah, wh- how would you uh, describe breathwork to someone who's maybe never heard of it or never tried it? Yeah, breathwork is ancient. It is an ancient, ancient healing modality um, used in the East for thousands of years. Uh, it's just, you know, in the last 30, 20 to 40 years have, has started to become really popular in the West, but it is a form of deep meditation using your breath, using just your breath. And uh, you use certain breath patterns, you use certain breath holds, you use uh, different types of, of breathing exercises to reach higher states of consciousness, to connect with your body. Breathwork is truly, in my opinion, one of, or one of truly the most healing modality on the planet because you bypass the ego, you bypass the mind and you go right into the body. And as we talked about in the beginning of the show, the body is the subconscious. So you're, it's like a fast track to your subconscious mind where your limiting beliefs are stored, where your where that old stagnant energy is stored. It's also really powerful because it softens the amygdala. And when the amygdala is softened, you can you can, again, release the, the stuck energy, the stagnant energy, but you're also able to create neural, new neural pathways. You can create new belief system, mm. new pattern. So it's just, a, it's just, it's such a special tool. And I found it myself about almost four years ago now, not quite, but almost four years ago, I found out a girlfriend of mine invited me to a breathwork class. And I thought, I didn't know what it was. I had no idea. I thought it was a workout class. And I was like, okay, <laughs> in my workout, we're going to do some like cardio or something. And we, get, and we get there and everyone is like laying down their mats and there's this like big bald guy and there's a gong. And I'm like, oh God, what have I gotten myself into? <laughs> and he led us through this stunning, stunning practice. Um, and I, it just was a profound, my first experience was a profound experience. And I was 
at one point hysterically crying and then hysterically laughing and screaming and going through all these different energies and just letting my body express and emote without a story, without mm. anything attached to it. And um, I was like, what is, what was that? You know, and for the, for the next several years, I stayed in my own breathwork practice for myself. And then a couple of years ago, I got certified and, and, and learned how to facilitate and, mm-hmm. and hold, you know, really safe containing space for people. Uh, and 10, 11 months ago now, the breath channel was born. I love the breath channel. It's been so helpful. Um, so let's talk about that as a resource because, um, again, I'll just share a little bit about my experience and why, what, um, drew me to you and the work that you do. So I had heard of breath work and I think, um, God or source or universe or whatever you believe will speak to you in little ways, right. And send you like little signs. Like you'll see the same things over and over again. And breath work kept coming up in multiple channels in my life. And I'm like, Hmm, I'm curious about this. Cause I had done some somatic work and, um, I knew the power of breath work, but I'd never tried it. And my first introduction to breath work was at a large event. There was about 500 women there. And within like the first three minutes, I felt those emotions that you were just sharing about like rage and shame. And I didn't know how to process them because I had never been given the tools to process them. And it felt unsafe for me to try and even go there in a room full of 500 people. And so I just stopped. And I witnessed everyone else have their experience. And for me personally, I felt unsupported. Like I didn't feel like whatever I was processing that I had a place to then hold it. So I had been super resistant to it for a very long time. And a mutual friend of ours, Amanda Bucci had shared some of your work online. And I just loved your um, energy and your approach. It felt safe. It felt inviting. And so I think um, I'm sharing that because It's so important, I think, whenever you're doing these types of modalities to trust the energy behind the person that you work with, right? Just because someone's a breathwork practitioner or somatic therapist doesn't mean that they're your person, right? Energy is super important. And so for me personally, I felt super safe in your energy and your expression. And what I love about the breathwork channel is that there's so many options and I can say, okay, I have 10 minutes or I have 15 minutes or I have eight minutes and it feels um, manageable. Like it's not a 45 minute or an hour long breathwork practice that would feel intimidating for me. So can you talk a little bit more about, um, you know, the breathwork channel, what it is, who it's for, you know, and, and why you created it? Yeah, thank. You. Well, first of all, I'm just so happy that you, you know, came around and and you feel safe there. And I, by the way, was it was it at Pace to Be Brave? No, it was another one of another event like like Pace to okay. Be Brave. Yeah. Oh, got it. Because uh, um, I had someone else tell me recently that that same thing, and and not because the event itself wasn't great, just because it was such a big room, and you know, there's not that you know one on one attention. But yeah, so the breath channel is. Oh, it's my baby. It's my baby. <laughs> I wanted there to be a place where there could be easy, fast, and deeply effective breathwork practices that people could turn to. You know, they're in there. I, I add five new videos a month. Breathwork for abundance, manifestation, inner child, uh, period pain, digestion, um, higher self, grounding, aura expansion, motivation. Um, it, I mean, the, it's, it's so, it, the, the list goes on and on. Now we have, we have meditations, we have embodiment practices, we have guest speakers, we have, you know, speakers on depth psychology. It's, it's an incredible platform. I'm going to be opening up 
a kid's channel, it really is, it truly is for everyone. Um, I'm going to have start having some, some, uh, you know, male guest teachers and I, I want it to be for everyone. And mm. it's, it's a place where you can get grounded, where you can release anxiety, where you can feel safe, where you can reach your own personal peak performance. Um, you know, breathwork for magic mornings, breathwork for sleep, like it just goes on and on. So mm. I'm really, I'm really proud of it. And for the first 10 months, it was 20 bucks a month. And I felt really good about that, but I was getting some um, emails and, and some messages saying, you know, I really wish I could, I love my membership. I wish I could keep my membership, but I just have to pay off my credit card right now, or there's some, I have to cut little costs right now. And I wanted there to be a way where everyone gets the content where everyone gets their needs met, where I get my, I get supported, you get supported. We live in this mutual community of integrity and support. And so about a month ago, I made the breath channel completely donation based. And, you know, I have done so much work on money mindset and abundance. And I think an old version of Stevie would have been like, no, I can't, you know, what if everyone goes to, to don't like, what if everyone goes to zero? And what if like people don't, like, what if no one da da da? And I didn't, I just trusted my community. Mm. I trusted their integrity. I trusted that, you know, for those who can afford $20 or more, they will pay. And for those who really need to pay zero or five or 10 or 15, it's welcome to you too. Mm. And that's exactly what happened, Melissa. Like people who, who can afford it stayed at 20, people went 20, 40, 60, some went to a hundred. And then others who needed to come in at zero or, or five or 10 or whatever, they can come in too. And I still get supported. They get supported. Mm. And now we have almost 600 members. Wow. So it's just something that is so near and dear to my heart. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful community. So I'm curious, like I'm literally getting teary eyed listening to you talk about like watching someone go from paying $20 a month to paying a hundred dollars a month. Like how did you receive that? Like, what was that experience like for you? It definitely was a process. I'm not going to lie because I was so overcome with gratitude. And I mean, the, the two weeks after I released, I released a video, um, a really beautiful video announcing that, that we are switching to the donation-based model. And for the next two weeks, like the messages, the emails I was getting, uh, just outpouring people being like, I can't, I'm, I'm so grateful you're doing this. Like I have not, I've been wanting to come back so bad, but now, and now I can, and now all of my girlfriends can. And then also emails that say, I love the channel so much. It has completely changed my life. I want to give you more money. I couldn't give you more money before. Now I get to choose my price. I get to choose the price that's right for me. Mm-hmm. And that price is 40, 60, 80, a hundred. Like someone paid like 500 for the year. And like, just, it was insane. And I was, you know, to be honest, I really had to work on my own receptivity because mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, can I, am I, do I deserve it? Am I allowed? Like, is this, am I allowed? Yeah. Am I Am I, it, do I, how, am I able to handle this love? Am I able, able to handle this kind of feedback? And I really had to do some inner work of opening my openings and letting myself receive and, and, and being in flow and not resisting any of the, the goodness and the yumminess that wanted to come in. So it definitely was a process, um, but it just, it's been, it's been such a, 
a cool shift. It's so to- beautiful. And, and again, it's a testament to the work that you've done, uh, just kind of going back to what we talked about in the very beginning of being vulnerable and being open and um, doing your own work and creating safety. Because again, so much of money is tied to safety. So that belief of like, well, if I do this, am I going to lose the safety of the financial container I've created? And, and by trusting yourself and following intuition, you've created something even more amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Love and that. I, could, I think the other part of that is I trusted my community. I trusted my community. I trust their integrity. And I trust that when they get to that page and it asks them, what is the donation amount you want to want to offer? If it's zero, I trust that. And I want them to enjoy the breath channel and experience the breath mm. channel. And if it's five, if it's 10, if it's 20, if it's a hundred, I trust it. Mm. I trust that people find the number that is right for them. I trust their knowing. I trust my 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 knowing like I just it's really not about money it's about trust and like trusting that abundance is all around us and it can we can just be in receptivity and flow with it Mm. amen to that mic drop that is like my jam right there so for those that want more of you in their life what's the best way for them to get to the breathwork channel or to just to get into your energy field I think Instagram I, I have a awesome community over there at Stevie L Wright underscore. And you can find the breath channel. You can uh, say hi, you can come connect and, and do some of the free breath or practices that are on my page. Mm-hmm. Um, do some of the embodiment practices that are on my page. It's a, uh, it's, it's a good place. Mm, I love it guys. You have to check it out. It's incredible. And of course, if you love the episode, make sure you share it with someone, tag someone that, you know, would love to hear this. Um, okay. Last question. And yeah. just go, I want you to go like all out on this. What are you celebrating right now? Truly? I'm celebrating my relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm really celebrating my relationship. There has been such a beautiful shift with us. Like, like I said, the last year, but even the last few months, like he is stepping into such a king and mm-hmm. I'm just <laughs> like melting. Drooling, literally I'm like drooling. watching you melt in front of me. <laughs> I'm like drooling over him right now. And, and he is, ah, he's a really special human. And um, I'm just so proud of the work that we've done lately and enjoying him and enjoying us. And, and we've, he said the other day, he's like, our love has, its own like our love is its own entity mm-hmm. like it, it is we were doing acid together at home and <laughs> I love our love is all timelines it goes beyond now it is all timelines and I was like oh my god I know mm. that's what I'm so oh, that's so juicy I love that for you thank you <laughs> Thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your story and your gifts here on the show. If you guys love this, like I said, please give Stevie a follow on Instagram, check out the breath channel and I'm just grateful for you. Thank you. Thanks Melissa. Until the next episode, guys live your boldly courageous life. Bye. Thank you so much for living your boldly courageous life with me today. I am beyond grateful for you and this amazing community we are building together. It's truly my mission to get this message out into the world and empower others to step fully into the life they've always dreamed of. 
I would be so incredibly grateful if you would join me in this mission by sharing this episode with your friends and heading over to iTunes to leave me a five-star review. And until the next episode, remember to live your boldly courageous life. Bye.